Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Amanda Man Games Podcast. This is episode 4 of my weekly gaming podcast where we discuss all things video games related. To support this show, please subscribe, comment and rate this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. You can email me any questions at amandamangames at gmail.com. That's amandamangames at gmail.com. All the various social media links uh, that I have will also be in the description below. So today is a special podcast because we have a special guest. We have my good friend Sebastian, also known as Sevi. Thank you so much for joining, Sevi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so uh, just to start off, I want to kind of ask, how did you get into gaming? What are some of your favorite games? And what games are you looking forward to this year? Mm, I guess I, I mean, I started playing games pretty early on. Um, I still remember like N64, Super Mario, uh, you know, just Bowser. First time you get to Bowser, that's such a like clear memory in my mind. I was probably like six years old. Uh, Mario Kart, Super Smash, you know, I was really into Nintendo games back then. And uh, yeah, ever since, it's been, it's been gaming time. <laughs> uh, no, no GoldenEye growing Golden up? Eye, yeah, GoldenEye yeah. Golden <laughs> was there, man. GoldenEye came a little later, but okay. uh, I, think, uh, I think that was also a big one for me, you know. Couch, GoldenEye was my co-op. Oh my god, GoldenEye. They, gotta, they need to make a remake. Yeah, <laughs> I'll play that. I'll play that for sure. So what are some of your favorite games? Man, it depends on uh, what day it is, you know? <laughs> Uh, I mean, right now, uh, man, I'm really into Bleeding Edge. That beta was really good. So, you know, we played pretty pretty heavily into that. Um, I'm always into RPGs in general, uh, little shooters, some, some exploration games as always. But uh, yeah, right now, definitely Bleeding Edge was a great one. I'm really looking forward to that. We're going to go pretty, pretty ham on that one. Uh, I'm also playing right now uh, Seven Days to Die. That one's really, really fun, you know, survival zombie game with a lot of crafting and building and running around. I love that. I know, I'm, I think we both are pretty excited for Animal Crossing coming up really soon as well. Oh man, Animal Crossing is going to be so great. I'm just ready to, you know, start my little island and uh, collect some bells. We're going to lose <laughs> a lot of hours to that game for sure. Is bells still the currency? I yeah, really it hope is. so. It definitely is. Oh, it definitely is. I don't think it'll change too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so one thing I got to obviously correct from, from last, actually two things I got to correct from last episode. So I, I actually saw a tweet that obviously it said from Rockstar North, it was at Rockstar North, but the at was spelt AT, so it wasn't actually uh, from Rockstar Games, but basically it was saying that there might be a GTA 6 announcement last week, and yeah, so there was no GTA 6 announcement, I got a little too excited, obviously I just had to put it out there, I, I love these kind of rumors, and obviously it, it bit me in my ass. To be honest, so, I think, uh, you know, as soon as anyone hears GTA 6 rumors, uh, you know, it starts you get too flowing. Excited. And <laughs> exactly. We're all just waiting for that. Exactly. And uh, the other thing was the IGN article that I was referencing, the 2K Games new studio article. It, it was written by Matt Kim. So I forgot to say that last time and I apologize. I do make these mistakes sometimes and I will make sure to uh, correct them in the next episode. So moving on, we have a bunch of news. Actually, not too many, but there are some pretty cool, cool news items. So it'll be really great to discuss that with Sebi here today. So the first one is EA will move Need for Speed development back to Criterion. Uh, so this comes from Christopher Dring from GameIndustry.biz. EA will return the Need for Speed franchise to UK game studio Criterion. Ghost Games has been the franchise home for Need for Speed for the last four games in the series. 2013's Need for Speed Rivals, the 2015 reboot, 2017's Need for Speed Payback, and last year's Need for Speed Heat. However, EA says it has struggled to attract the right talent to Gothenburg to work on these on the series. By contrast, Criterion is based in Guildford, 
which is one of UK's biggest game development hubs. Criterion is known for creating the Burnout series of video games and had previously developed two Need for Speed titles, 2010's Need for Speed Hot Pursuit and 2012's Need for Speed Most Wanted. However, in 2013, the studio downsized with many employees moving to Ghost Games. At the time, Criterion was to begin working on new projects, including a cancelled extreme sports game. So this is quite interesting, mainly because I love the Burnout series. I keep wishing EA would bring it back. Mm. I'm not sure why they aren't, but them shifting the the Need for Speed franchise to Criterion Games, I think that's a good sign, but at the same time, I'm worried. That, does that mean that we will never get a new Burnout game? I think it, it could end up resulting in sort of a hybrid. I think that's very possible. A slightly more arcadey Need for Speed. I mean, we've seen some of them already, but I think that could really happen. And uh, I mean, to be honest, Hot Pursuit, Most Wanted, those were really big games. So, uh, you know, it's definitely, you know, it, it could end up doing really well. Um, we might see some innovative stuff. Um, remind me, is the was Most Wanted the one that was online? Was that the first online one? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that when, when that came out, it was very, you know, innovative. And I think people were a little apprehensive at first. They weren't super down for, like, playing online with other people at first. But, uh, you know, you see it a lot now. Um, what was that? The last uh, Forza has like a lot of online mechanics but it's still they're like ghosts right yeah so you can still do your standard forza rewinds um you know i think that you know as, as it's been evolving the uh the online sort of uh, style raising games they've really like started to hit the sweet spot so i i, I could definitely see like a really big need for speed resurgence come back and and definitely get some people excited for it um, I mean, with those heavy heavyweight titles under their belt, for sure, this is going to be a good one. Do you want them to kind of adapt or at least have stuff that you saw in the Burnout games in Need for Speed? So, you know, like that, that crash mode. Mm. Uh, I remember the other one, which is, I feel like, Road Rage mode, where it was about getting the most takedowns. Do you want them to kind of put that sort of element of Burnout into Need for Speed? Or is it that, okay, you guys did a really good job with Burnout. It's time to just focus on Need for Speed. Make it the next for the Horizon rival, in a sense. To be honest, I mean, me personally, I, I like my realistic car racing sims to stay realistic and mm. very, you know, heavily simulator style. And I like my arcadey race games to stay super arcadey. But I think if they do it right, they could have like separate modes and make it really well. Thing is, like, when they try to do that, you know, some of them are sort of half baked and they don't end up doing super well. But I don't know. I, I trust them to do well with this one. But I don't know, I've always been a, a Forza guy, even though I'm more of a Sony person, which is weird for most people. You know, I've never really gotten into Gran Turismo's, but um, I think that Need for Speed could really sort of fill that uh, niche right there and, and do it right. It will be interesting to see what they do. So I think, I think they are, like you're saying, they're in good hands. And now I'm definitely a lot more excited for the Need for Speed franchise than I was in the past. So hopefully we hear good things from them. And speaking about EA, this is... Uh, this is dealing with the from a former Bioware writer who just joined another another studio. So this comes from WCCF Tech by Alessia Palumbo. So former Bioware writer joins Archetype Entertainment. Says Bioware has become corporate. I feel like this is something that we already kind of know at this point. But um, the article states: Two weeks ago, we reported on the foundation of Archetype Entertainment, a new Austin-based game development studio owned by Wizards of the Coast. Archetype Entertainment is led by former Bioware developers such as James Olin and Chad Robertson, and now the old crew has just got bigger. 
Drew Carpishin, who was the main writer for acclaimed games like Mass Effect 1 and 2, and Star Wars Night of the Old Republic, announced that he's joined the studio with a blog post that went up on his personal website. So this is kind of just taken from his, from his blog post. I've been in the video game industry for 20 years now. When I started at Bioware, everything was fresh and exciting. It was a dream job. Talented people working together to create epic games like Baldur's Gate, KOTOR, Mass Effect, and Dragon Age. But as we grew and became more successful, things changed. We became more corporate. We were less able to make what we loved and the teams were pushed to create games based on market research rather than our creative instincts and passion. My dream job became just a job and I lost the enthusiasm and excitement I once had. So, I mean, this is something that we saw happening with Bioware. Mm-hmm. This is something that we see with Anthem, unfortunately, yep. and with Mass Effect Andromeda. I think it's great that we are seeing some of these Bioware employees move away and start their own thing. Hopefully, we will see some remnants of what we saw with Mass Effect, what we loved about Mass Effect and Dragon Age in these games. But is this a worrying sign for Bioware's games? Because they still own some amazing IPs that we love, like Dragon Age and Mass Effect. So what does that mean? It's a tough call. I mean, uh, you know, you got to feel for the guy. And, uh, you know, when he says that... uh, they're based more on market research and less on their passions. I mean, you know, it's it's not a bad thing, generally, to, to really look at what people are asking for. But I feel like some of their best games really came out of, you know, a group of like-minded people coming together and saying, you know, I really want a game that does this and, and this and that. And, you know, when they put it all together, it just ended up being amazing. You know, we played so many great games. You know, like uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, I just put in so many hours into. It's a great game. And it, it ended up doing so well. It was just so much fun to, like, really get a game that you can sink into and roleplay to such an extent that by the end you're just, like, you feel like the character is you almost. To be honest, I'm also really excited for this new studio. Um, what was it called? Uh, Archetype Entertainment. Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's owned by Wizards of the Coast, which, as you know, anything that's Wizards of the Coast related, I'm heavily into. Um, tabletop even, you know, Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons. We've uh, we've definitely played some of that too, you know. It's not just video games, but uh, that's also pretty exciting news right there. I think it will be interesting if they give them one some, something from Magic the Gathering universe, something from there to take and make it into a game, especially with writers like these. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a great universe for everyone to explore. For sure. I mean, you know, as a little aside there, you know, we, uh, we've we gotten two pretty good games from, uh, you know, the Magic Magic the Gathering universe lately. They did their, uh, their online card game, which is it's very reminiscent of Hearthstone, but it was really well done. The only thing is that, you know, when you compare Hearthstone to Magic the Gathering, the mechanics and magic are so intense that you know to a game that they're trying to simplify slightly it just doesn't come out you know perfectly done it's still really fun you know I've, i played a bit of it and uh i think for me i just really like having the physical cards to play with and you know switching it to an online format sort of uh you know cut a little of the excitement in there for me but um they also had the other one i believe it was called spell strike where you play as uh, the planeswalker the magician and uh, sort of like a semi-tower defense, uh, you know, resource character um, fighting game. Uh, and that one also was, was a really good game. I feel like they're moving in the right direction. And again, you know, anything Wizards, I will definitely try out. <laughs> you know, this is exciting. I mean, this is exciting to see that a, a writer or a developer is, you know, finally fe- feeling excited again. 
And I think that's when you see some amazing games. Anthem was, let's be honest, based off of market research. From what we can tell, the way that yeah. the game was given to us. For sure. And it was, it was as everyone knows, it's being rebooted for obvious reasons. So hopefully this is good signs for these developers. I'll be, we'll be looking forward to what Archetype does. Yeah, yeah, for sure, Archetype. And to be honest, Bioware, they're probably one of very few studios that can put out something like Anthem was at launch. And, you know, I'm, I'll still be excited for whatever they drop next. The new Dragon Age game, which yeah. is supposedly coming out maybe next year. Yeah, we'll I, I'm, see. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm already, you know, smelling the delays there. But, oh, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. you know, that's okay. They can take as long as they need and just make sure it's, uh, you know... As long, following their passion <laughs> exactly as long as it's more like dragon age origins dragon age 2 mm -hmm. even inquisition you know i know that a lot of people didn't like inquisition as much as much as the older ones yeah. but inquisition was awesome if they even made something like inquisition again with the new tech it would be great but i feel like we can go down a rabbit hole when we try to oh, yeah. uncover what bioware's trying to do in, in that company but we'll see what happens 100 so some great news for a lot of sony fans out there the dreams game is by Media Molecule is officially out. It just came out, I think, on February 14th. It was also, it was available for people who bought the early access on February 11th. And I tried this game at when I, I got I got it during the early access period. I tried it. I, I didn't make anything myself because I just like trying other people's creations. I was just never that much into game creation myself, especially mm -hmm. using those kinds of tools. But playing those games and seeing what people had made was just seriously amazing. I'm, I'm surprised what people were able to do just with this platform, just with this software. And I mean, the reviews are kind of saying the same thing. IGN gave it a nine. Uh, Simon Cardi from IGN said, it's a cliche, but Dreams really is something that needs to be played to fully grasp an understanding of. It's unlike anything else, an ambitious project that has been expertly brought to life by Media Molecule and an audacious experiment in game design that gives you endless ways to enjoy your time with it. And Destructoid, Destructoid they also gave it a 9.5. It's currently at a 90 on Metacritic. So I obviously tried Dreams. I gave it a shot. I liked what I saw. I enjoyed playing other people's other people's creations. But some of those creations were obviously half-baked. Some, some of them were work in progress. Some of them were really interesting. But at least at the time that I have played, at least when I played it, I haven't played the new build. It was, it was okay. It was cool. It was more of like a Super Mario Maker kind yes. of a thing. Exactly. But, you know, with Dreams or with Media Molecules touch on it. So what is, have you given it a shot or are you just watching some reviews and stuff? Yeah, I haven't played it myself, um, but I have watched some reviews on it. Uh, I remember the announcement when they announced it first and uh, it, it was a really cool game to watch. Um, I, it's kind of how I feel about Super Mario Maker where kind of like you, you know, I, I might not be the biggest person into, you know, creating my own maps sort of thing, but I love to play maps that have people's unique touches to them you know anytime you play like a super mario maker map that someone's you know put hours into you can very clearly tell that you know this wasn't made by nintendo like this you know it's using the same elements the same assets but this was not nintendo and and that really makes things exciting because i feel like with like you know if you're just playing a regular mario map you kind of start predicting what's going to come next you know things get a little you know repetitive sometimes and you know the game's still good but uh, it's missing that, you know, spark of creativity that someone else's mind might provide. And uh, that's, that's what I felt watching, you know, Dream in, in motion. Um, watching someone create a map and then having someone else play through it. There's just endless possibilities. And again, just like with Super Mario Maker, 
you know, we're, we're only going to see better and better things come from it. You know, at first people are going to be getting used to things. You'll play some, you know, some crappy games at first. And eventually, you know, we're going to see some really interesting stuff. So do you think that uh, it will get to a point where it, you make a creation that people really, really love and they might have a store within Dreams where you can actually sell this for, let's say, $5 to people who want to play your game? So do you think this will just become a creation tool, kind of like Unity or Unreal Engine, and maybe they'll make it available on PC as well, where you can actually start making games, or even within the PS4 ecosystem, make it so to the point where if you if you do make a game and you send it to Media Molecule or Stony to get approved, and they're like, yeah, you know what, this is a full-fledged game, this person put a lot of effort into it, you know, let's reward him for his work. Do you see us getting to that point, or is it more of just an open base kind of platform where you can just make anything everyone tries everything i mean i certainly hope not um mainly because when you start monetizing off of things that that's when shit starts to go wrong uh, i feel like at first you know the, the games need to stay free any maps made need to stay free if you are you know take a lot of pride in what you've made then that's awesome i mean you can you can start putting it out there having other people look at it if that you know, ignites an interest in making video games, then you can always, you know, turn that around, show it, send it out, use it as part of your, uh, you know, your, your portfolio. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you find out that you're really into making video games, then by all means, take advantage of that. But uh, if they open like a monetization store type of deal, I feel like, you know, people are just gonna stop playing it. They, mm -hmm. they won't wanna pay for something that you could just play a, a slightly crappier version of for free, you know? And I, I feel like that's not what the game should be about. I feel like it should really be about creativity and... And community. And community, exactly. You know, some people are just not really into, you know, creating maps. And some people are not so much about playing them. They just want to build them and want the tools for that. Um, I feel like it'd be really cool if they start integrating with maybe other games somehow. You know, if the game uses a similar engine, they can create, like, mods for something else. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, the the mod stores are pretty big for other games. You can buy mods, like, some of them are not free. Um, and, you know, some people really did put in a lot of time to create something that they feel should be, you know, paid content. Um, it's something that they might do eventually, but personally, I, I feel like it should stay free, at least at first. Kind of see where it goes. I think they're obviously going for that engine slash platform approach where they want to make this a proper engine that other companies might come to them or other developers mm. might come to them and say that hey we're gonna actually use this engine to make our game and i can totally see sony kind of pushing dreams in that aspect so that yeah. new developers who are sony fans who bought dreams got into this and you know and then they actually make an amazing game and i, I was kind of wondering and i want to pose this question to you do you ever see a day where there's a game that's made in dreams be nominated for game of the year if it's Ooh. something that they put that much effort into because you can do voiceover you can do music you can do everything and some of the the stuff that you see is photorealistic some of the images that i saw like of, of someone's breakfast it's always food for some reason but someone's <laughs> breakfast and it was it looked so realistic and it, it was all created in dreams do you ever see something like that maybe happening in the future i could definitely see that i feel like we're at a point right now where you know artistic talent and creativity are really valued very highly and so if someone just comes up with a super great idea and you know they make it a, a reality we're using dream then why not i mean i would love to see that happen let's leave it at that i would love to see someone create something on dream and it winning an award that would be that would be a really interesting day 
and just bouncing off of dreams. It seems to be doing pretty well, especially in the UK charts. This is again coming from GameIndustry.biz from Christopher Dring. So UK charts, the PS4 exclusives, Yakuza and Dreams cracked the top 10. And I think one thing should be noted is that obviously Dreams came out in early access last year in, in 2019. So I'm not sure if this is taking the digital, uh, digital uh, sales into account. But even then, Dreams came up in number at number eight. Uh, Yakuza Remastered Collection is number three. I can totally understand why Yakuza oh, yeah. is a little higher. The whole collection, or Remastered yeah, collection. Whole collection. So, but this is this is great. I think this is great news for Media Molecule, especially because they did take I think almost seven years to make this game. They kept pushing it, yeah. and it was unclear what they were trying to do after Little Big Planet, after Tearaway, and Dreams was this thing where I feel like even as I was talking to you, as we're talking about it, it's so hard to sell to sell to someone. I think it's something that you truly need to either watch a few videos, try it out, or hopefully maybe they even release a demo because it is something, it's almost like VR, where you do need to kind of see it and understand that the games that are on there aren't just, you know, random games that people make. Some of them are actually detailed. Some of them are actually really, really fun to play, especially some puzzle games that I, I tried out when, when the early access was going on. So I think this is a good sign in general that it's selling well in UK. I don't know how it will do in North America. But let's hope that this keeps selling and maybe we'll see a game of the year in Dreams in the future. Yeah, I mean, it could definitely happen. I was just talking to someone about, um, like, offshoot games from other games that did really amazingly well. And, like, you know, just mid-conversation, we, we got into, like, Dota, Counter-Strike. I think Dota are, was Warcraft? Yeah, Dota was from Warcraft 3 and Counter-Strike was from Half-Life, right? It was like a Source most, engine, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, you got these games that right now are massive. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't even, I have no idea what the numbers are, but the amount of people playing Dota right now and Counter-Strike, and they were just based off of all the games that, you know, did really well too, but they're nowhere near what their offshoots are at now. And so, you know, it's, it's always a possibility with the right combination of, you know, talent and, and just wanting to make a good game. You can definitely have that happen. It will be interesting to see what people come up with. I think that's what's most, most exciting is to see where Dreams is and the creation tools and even just the creations on the on the game, on the platform in a year. There yeah. might be games that everyone's talking about. And, you know, I, I think all it takes is that one game that IGN or some big website that starts talking about and saying that this is game of the year worthy, even though you can't, it's not a, a solo game, it's part of Dreams, it's someone's creation. You need to try this, and that's all it takes, you know. Especially because the game isn't too expensive either. I think it's like thirty nine dollars or something like that. Mm -hmm, yeah. So I think that should be pretty interesting. And as always, I love talking about rumors, especially when it comes to next generation stuff. Oh, yeah. So there was a new leak uh, that might have finally revealed the full PS five specs and Xbox Series X specs. So this comes from Chris Smith from BGR. So I've already read this. I'm pretty excited to see what what you think because I know you're a PC gamer as well. Mm -hmm. So originating from 4chan just like most ps5 leaks so far the new specs leak supposedly comes from a game tester who has been using the updated second version of the ps5 dev kit for a third party studio so uh, obviously i'm not gonna i didn't put the entire article down but just, i just kind of wanted to quickly go through what we have in terms of, it was just like a list of of the specs that for each um, each console so the ps5 has a cpu that's amd zen 2 at 3.6 gigahertz Xbox Series X has AMD Zen 2 at 3.7 gigahertz. Uh, the GPU for PS5 is 12.6 teraflops. For Xbox Series X, it's 11.8 teraflops. The RAM for PS5, 18, 18 gigabytes plus 4 gigabytes. 
and for Xbox Series X is 16 gigabytes plus 4 gigabytes and PlayStation 5 storage is 500 gigabytes SSD at 5.5 gigabytes per second for Xbox Series X it's 1 terabyte SSD at 3.8 gigabytes per second so I think first first of all the CPU stuff I think that's kind of expected they're going with AMD AMD is doing a really good job yeah. With the CPU, CPUs right now? I feel like we've known about that for a little bit, right? They, they announced pretty early on that they were sticking with AMD. I believe at C, CES as well. Yeah. They kind of announced it there as well. The one thing, the first thing I want to talk about is this whole teraflop nonsense. Because everyone keeps talking about how this, this console has more teraflops than this console. And I think you and I, obviously you've built a PC, I built a PC. Uh, we've seen what the Nintendo Switch can do. At the end of the day, the teraflop, the GPU stuff, that does not matter. Numbers are pretty irrelevant mm. i feel like that's something that you know we we've come to learn and uh that was a great example you know the switch you know the switch isn't the most spec you know high spec machine but you, you've played breath of the wild that's an amazing, amazing game. game oh my god you you don't really don't need the numbers to put out something great and uh you know just looking quickly down the list they're very comparable the one thing i would really touch on is this storage situation mm -hmm. How is PlayStation 5 going to launch with a 500 gigabyte hard drive? So this is interesting. It's rated at being uh, being at a higher speed mm -hmm. than Xbox. Mm -hmm. So obviously, I'm, I'm assuming they're going for some next level NVMe drive there. But 500 awesome. gigabyte. I'm, I'm hoping that this is just because it's a dev kit unit. And maybe in the ones that we actually get, it's going to be a one terabyte hard drive. Because this will be a horrible mistake. Because... Now that they have SSDs installed, you can't put an external drive into the PS5. I'm sure they'll give you the option, but it will be in a way where you can store your thing on the external drive, but it will have to kind of put it back in the internal storage to start the game. Since that's the whole thing with PS5 and how all the developers know that they have SSDs now, so the developers will make the games with that in mind. I don't know what they're going to do. This will be a very, very, very big mistake considering how even games now like Red Dead are like 120 gigabytes. Modern Warfare is over 100 gigabytes. Final Fantasy VII Remake just came out and it was uh, just uh, it just popped up on, on the websites that apparently that's going to be 100 gigabytes. How, you, you will have like less than five games. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very possible that it's just because it's a dev kit so they're not meant to be, you know, stacking them full of games. But at the same time, and, and I know we're going to get into this a little bit later, that's gonna affect the price point. So you know what? If if it launches at a five hundred gigabyte mark, and you know that keeps the price from going way too high, then I think I'm okay with that mm. because I'm sure they're gonna find a good way to expand storage space. You know, pretty easily. I, I feel like this is the one where we're gonna see like Sony PlayStation branded external hard drives come out, or or some sort of utility where you can just pop one on and sort of like just a general ex external drive. I don't know how they're gonna do it. I'm sure they're gonna be super expensive, but uh, if if it keeps the price down, I think I'm okay with that. I know it's gonna be interesting. We're gonna be talking about more uh, next gen stuff uh, towards the end of the podcast. Uh, so the next news it comes again from IGN from Chris Priestman, and uh, this just states Rainbow Six Siege confirmed for PS5 and Xbox Series X. So Ubisoft has confirmed that Rainbow Six Siege will be available on next gen consoles. Roy Delval. The game's product manager made the announcement yesterday on the final day of the 6th Invitational 2020 playoffs in Quebec, Canada. He mentioned during a panel when discussing why only one operator per season was being released, when we look at the amount of stuff that the team can work on today, there's no doubt that this is the right choice to go into the future. 
into the future with full confidence for Rainbow Six Siege. This is allowing us to do a lot of things, it's allowing us to have a core gameplay, focused philosophy to dive deeper into those aspects, it's allowing us to polish a little bit of our operators, the operators that we're going to be bringing into the roster of 50 plus operators that we already have. And this is a bit of a soft announcement, he continued, but, but it's allowing us to work for next gen. So we are on next gen in the coming years. So I just kind of put this news in there. You and I are not exactly big Rainbow Six Siege players, but I just kind of wanted to bring this news up mainly because this is what I see happening with a lot of games. Apex Legends, mm -hmm. Fortnite, yeah. uh, Call of Duty, I guess that's not really uh, applicable because they always do, they, they will release a new Call of Duty. There will be a new one yeah. for, for next gen, yeah. So I think now that we know, or we, at least we have some confirmation that there will be backwards compatibility, do you see this thing where... If you already own Rainbow Six Siege, you will just automatically get an update, which is a PS5 update, it'll up-res it, all that stuff, or it's like, no, you have the PS4 version, so you can play the PS4 version on the PS5. But if you want the one with the bells and whistles, with the nice shiny stuff, here's a new box, new one that you need to buy again. So is that what you see, or is it more like they're like, you know what, no, we want the entire player base, we don't want to separate them out in that way, even though they can still play their game, they want to keep the customers happy. Is it just like a, a soft update that comes out that they're going to make it PS5? It's a good question because, uh, you know, as we know, there's going to be backwards compatibility. So will they try and keep the player base all together? I feel like they are. I feel like that's something that it would just be a silly move to not do that and try and break it apart. Um, especially for like, because it will probably be like close to launch date sort of game. And so I feel like if they start cutting the player base up, that's just going to backfire on them mm -hmm. um but at the same time they're gonna want more money so like you know yeah i feel like they will try and resell it to you they, they probably won't let you take your ps4 version and bump it up to ps5 version but i do see them putting it out for like i don't know 29 dollars you know 29.99 mark and uh and it will have better textures that that's really what it's gonna be it's just gonna be new textures kind of thing and probably some uh exclusivity items an operator or two some skins or whatever i think for games as a service that's the main thing is the player base so they want to make sure that the millions of people that are playing and i think rainbow six siege is the perfect example of what i'm hoping that anthem might do is just kind of coming from a point where it was not doing well to the point where it is now where it is one of the most played games in the world people really really love it people who are into rainbow six siege really really enjoy it yeah. and i tried to get into it i really enjoyed it but I'll, I will be completely honest, people were a little mean to me when I was playing. <laughs> people did not like the way I was playing or I was just not up to par. So I just kind of gave up at that point. It's a, I, I think, I don't know if there's a, uh, a, there's a way for new players to jump in. I hope they kind of introduce that with maybe proper, like better matchmaking. But, you know, it is a game that I can respect in terms of what it has done. And it's just interesting that they've kind of already announced that, yep, we are coming on PS5 and Xbox. We'll see how it does, how it comes out officially on those consoles. But like, yeah, I think that's the main thing. They just want to keep the player bases together. Yeah, and it really is a good game. It, I'm also really not a, a very tactical shooter, you know, kind of player myself. But uh, it's a fun one to watch. I've definitely watched a lot of streamers who are really good at it. And it's just one of those games where you want to watch someone just go in and massacre a whole team, you know? <laughs> it's, a, it's a great game. I mean, I when I was playing and I was doing well, at least I thought I was doing well, it was really, really fun. And it was mm -hmm. kind of the same addiction I felt when I was playing Division 2. True. You know, and talking about Division 2, I think we're going to move on to the next uh, next topic, next thing. Uh, it's gonna, we're going to be discussing the games we have been playing. 
So how can I start off? Like I was just saying, Division Two. I just got back into Division Two. Yeah. Uh, it was three dollars. So I feel like at this point, if you have not tried Division Two, it is basically three dollars. Like go out and buy it. It is. It is too good. It is such a great game. I I already I think I've put in maybe six hours or so. I'm uh, maybe around level nine or level ten. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of making my way through, and it's such a great game where in between main missions you can do you can find shade tech, you can do side stuff here and there, and it's just the perfect podcast game that way where you don't really need to focus on it too much. When I do the main missions, I think they did put in a lot of effort in the main mission to kind of give it that that same feeling that you see with linear games. So at that point, I'll turn my podcast off or whatever, and I'll just kind of watch, or I'll, I'll listen to the cutscenes and everything like that. And I think the the main thing that I, I took away from Division 2 is just the feel. Just the feel of, of the, the gameplay and everything. And I was always skeptical when it comes to these kind of RPG games where you shoot something and it's they're like a sponge. Mm-hmm. And they have numbers popping off. And it always kind of took away from that feeling where, you know, it's when a bullet hits an enemy, when you get that feedback, like kind of like we see in Destiny 2 or Destiny 1 as well. You know, that feedback is what causes you to be like, you know what, this is a really great game. I want to keep playing. Mm-hmm. You like, you enjoy the gameplay. And that's what I was worried about. But in this, they, they actually did a very good job. Even though you see the numbers go out and you see the bar, it's just something about the feeling. You know what? I'm I'm kind of on the uh, other side of the fence on that one with you because I I really like seeing those numbers come off and even though the enemy might have way too much health for a person <laughs> like how many bullets can a person really take? I still like that RPG element of it where you can see how much damage I'm doing where you get a crit and all of a sudden it's like so much more damage and the numbers all glowing and and it's huge. I love that. I really like that and I feel like Division Two really they polished it so well. And this is coming from someone who played Division 1, you know, fairly extensively. Not so much the end game, but I definitely played through the whole campaign and some of the DLC that they put out. And, I, you know, it, even though that game launched, you know, it was a little uh, here and there. It was a little iffy when it launched. They really made it well by the end. And so I, I love to see Division 2 launch so strongly. And now that we're getting, you know, the the big chapter coming up, uh, Warlords of uh, New York. Was it, is that what it's Warlords called? of New York, yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited for that. You know, I feel like these games, they, they don't get, you know, all the praise that they really deserve. And on that same boat is Destiny, which, you know, Destiny launched and, you know, it was so bare. It wasn't enough to do. And by the end of it, it was such a great game. Mm-hmm. We put so many hours in there hunting down weapons and trying to clear all the raids. And you get so much fun out of it. And uh, I, I just really love these kinds of games. Division I think two, two. I, I feel like I'm in that boat where, you know, I love those kinds of games like Destiny 2 and Division uh, Division 2 even. But, you know, it's like you get to a point where you can only dedicate so much time to one of those games. And for me, but every time I have this urge, sometimes I feel like I want to I play Destiny 2 again. But whenever I think about it, I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of dedicated to Division 2 right now. I'm having a great time. There's a really, really awesome expansion coming out with some really cool story content from, the, from what I saw at least. So I'm, I'm, you know, at this point I'm focused on Division Two, but I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for Bungie because Bungie's seeing this too. Bungie knows what they have. I think Bungie comes out and says Destiny Three launching with PS Five, Xbox oh Series X. Oh my God! You know, I, that would be a game over right there. That's, <laughs> we're know, back in Destiny sign Three. Sign me right up. Galahorn yes. version Three Point Oh, regime. Yes. I, yes. I I miss I we had some me, me Sevi and I in, in our in college we had some amazing times playing Destiny. Destiny just did it so perfectly and let's be honest, Division and all these games are kind of taking note from yeah. Destiny. All the stuff with this whole loot stuff, so many games took 100%. from Destiny. So Bungie should deserve deserve so much praise for this. A hundred percent, yeah. 
the, the way they made their guns, you know, where you just hunt something down, and when you finally get it, the excitement of that is it's amazing. It's such a such a great game to to really sink hours into and just try and max out your character. But I, I get what you're saying. It's uh, you know we we just don't have the time for that anymore. And so you know if you're trying to play Destiny two and Division two at the same time, good luck. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. I don't, I don't see a lot of people having the time to really get the most out of both games at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you if you want one of those, just go for it because they're, they're so good. Plus, plus, I think the thing is, plus there's so many other amazing games that you want to check out, yeah. including Sekiro, which I kind of talked about last yeah. week, and I've been streaming that. And, I mean, I praised this game so much last time, and I want to praise it again. I literally just got past a very big point of the game uh just fighting a few bosses in the ashina castle and i kind of brought this up last week as well that this game is truly like a fighting game mm-hmm. or, or or almost like a rhythm game it is not the same game that i thought it was based off of you know bloodborne and, and dark souls you cannot win a fight just by pressing b or circle you cannot just keep pressing those buttons and you need to parry you need to face these bosses up front and i I love that this game made me feel more empowered. If, if any of you had watched my stream, I think it's still up on YouTube. If you watch the way I played that boss initially, I was dying within seconds. I was scared. But towards my third or fourth try, I was charging him. Mm-hmm. I was charging this boss. I don't want to give too much away about this boss. I mean, it's been a year, but I don't want to give too much about this boss. But it was so cool where this boss, obviously, with like most Souls games and their bosses, transforms after you think that you killed the boss. Oh, yeah. And this transformation, the first couple of times... I did it. I, I would. I died within a second of that transformation to the point where I was ready to stop streaming. I was like, you know what? This is not happening today. This is not <laughs> happening. But I kept giving it a shot, and it gave you a mini tutorial on the side when when that person transforms, telling you that hey, try this. Mm. And you know, I was like, okay, this is just one of those random tutorials that okay, press LB to block or yeah. press A to jump or whatever, right? And I was like, okay, whatever, right? And then it got to a point where I I was like, you know what? Let's give it a shot. Let's try it. And I did a certain move because of that. Uh, let's just say like the electricity coming at you and you basically need to time your hit correctly or your the, the right right bumper or R1 correctly. And it will basically throw the electricity back at the boss and, mm. and, and shock them for a certain amount of time. And also like lower their health bars significantly. And all of a sudden in that one fight, when I figured this out one, one time, obviously I, I died many times before that, but that one time when I allowed myself to try something new, I won that fight and it was the best feeling ever. And I was like, wow, yeah. this is why I love this game. I think it's hard for me to recommend it to anyone that isn't used to Souls games. Right. But I feel like at this point, if you have seen it win so many games of the years, you've heard about this and you're willing to try this out, it is definitely more accessible then I think Bloodborne and Dark Souls. You don't have to worry about what sword should I use. You don't have to worry about leveling your mm. sword and, and armor or anything like that. You, you don't need to worry any, uh, about any of that stuff. It's all about parrying at the right time. It's all about Mercury Counter, which I kind of talked about, which is basically you, as, as someone's attacking and they're doing an attack where, which has like a red symbol above it, it basically means that you can't block this. But what you need to do is charge at them. Mm. So what happens is they try to hit you with a sword and you literally step on the sword. And then you attack them. And this is the same thing. This is a, a, a thing that will do a lot of damage to you. But if you trust yourself, you learn like a fighting game, you can, you become, it, it becomes second nature. Yeah. And that's what I realized. And I just have so much respect for this game. I'll try not to talk about it anymore. But I just <laughs> wanted to bring it up quickly. And uh, the other game I, I played this weekend, which I actually finished in two sittings, was Detroit Become Human. 
This is a game that I don't think gets enough credit. It's a really great game, barring some of the weird controlling issues. Uh, the controller, they make you use the motion control sometimes, which I'm not a big fan of, especially when it's a game which is, you know, high stakes. If you make one mistake, your character can die, yeah. and all of a sudden you're like pressing button, then they're like, move your controller. And I'm like, oh my, I wasn't ready for this. So <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a really great game. It was kind of bringing up the question between androids and humans, when if androids get to the point where humans are, you know, becomes an issue of equal rights, uh, us using machines and androids is that slavery and it brings up some really really interesting questions they obviously use a lot of stuff from history mm. and kind of implement implemented in this android versus humans war but yeah like it was really really good i finished in two settings so that already says a lot because i really enjoyed the story and i'm looking forward to whatever quantic dreams does next so for the next game for the next game i want to throw it to sebi uh, this is a game that him and i both played quite a bit of it's the bleeding edge beta so you kind of talked about it earlier on so yeah, what are your overall thoughts? Bleeding Edge was so fun. It, it really scratches that Overwatch itch. It's something where you can really, you know, get really into it, enjoy playing one character, and all of a sudden you're just kind of not feeling it anymore. So you just switch it up, and all of a sudden it feels like a whole new game. And it, it's just it's so fun to play with a lot of people again. I haven't really played too many like multiplayer games lately. I've really been playing like story mode and just solo games a lot but um, yeah I mean Overwatch is something that I know you also play quite a bit of and uh, this really brings that back without uh, having to beat the skill level of Overwatch where it's currently at they do um, make it very accessible this yeah, game it's it's simple it's fun the skills feel great I was playing mainly support characters this time around I, I've really come to enjoy playing a good support character that has survival skills um, I was playing, I believe her name was Miku. Um, you know, she has really good attacks, she can freeze characters, but she's also really good at healing. She has quick heals that you can apply on yourself or uh, your teammates. And it was just so fun to run around and find, you know, cool setups and, and ways to, you know, group up with certain characters on, the, on your team to really, you know, beat the entire team. You might just have two people and you can survive for hours. It was just so well done. You know, the maps looked great. I think uh, the three game modes that they had were, were really good. Was it three or two? I, I, I remember playing mainly two. Uh, one was the capture, like those areas, and yeah. the other one was the cell deposit. Right, yeah, the cell deposit. So I think they also mentioned that there's going to be just like a straight, you know, kill mode, but uh, I don't think I played that. Maybe it wasn't yeah, in the beta. I don't think it was the beta. I, I definitely preferred the taking over control points more than the, the cells one, mainly because, I mean, I think right now, obviously, a lot of players and people who are playing this game are still learning mm -hmm. so you can see that a lot of times they just go, start going for the attack yeah and i think for the cells one especially you know at least with the control point you can have these battles in those areas with the cells one you need to collect these cells yeah and so many times i would be the only one that's trying to collect the cells and my team is not doing that they're just going for the attack which is not a bad strategy because you can kill the other teammate the other team sorry and get their cells yeah. and deposit it yourself but I think it's like, you know, it's almost like you do need to communicate that, okay, two of us, we're, we're going to collect, three of you deal with these people. Yeah. You know, or like two of them. <laughs> I was just having like instant flashbacks of when I started playing Overwatch when it first launched. And I'm just trying to tell the whole team, like, guys, we need to carry the payload. And everyone's like, nah, just try to get kills. But uh, yeah, no, it, it does feel like that sometimes. Especially for someone like me playing support a lot. The... Um, trying to you know the the cells are pretty irrelevant to me i would help people break down the blocks but i try not to grab the cells because i can't be the main focus of the battle like i'm really there to keep up the tanks and the and the dps going 
But uh, even then, I think I still had a lot of fun in the in the cells game mode. Um, but I, I definitely do like the objectives mode a lot better. I feel like it forces the team to sort of group up a little more, which is really when the game shines. When when you have a team that's working together, it's truly like an amazing thing. Even I haven't seen that sort of a feeling in Overwatch, even just because you know when you're battling it out, it is a full on close close quarters combat kind of a game. So, you know, when you're kind of getting your moves in, you're getting your specials in, then you get that heal at the right moment, and you have this entire tank of a team behind you. It is such a special feeling. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I see really great things for this game. I obviously underestimated initially Ninja Theory having yeah. made Hellblade. Them making a game like this, they, they are, right now in my brain, like, just an amazing developer. To go, to go from making a game like DMC before that, then Hellblade, and now such a fun multiplayer game that... I honestly think can compete with Overwatch. You know, it's just amazing, and March cannot come soon enough, for us at least. I agree. I definitely agree. I'm going to be playing a lot of it when it launches. I just want to play more of these characters. I, I feel like I didn't even try, like, half of the characters. Exactly. Right? Same. I just, I just really wanted to find one that I enjoyed playing and, and played well during the beta, but I'm, I'm pretty excited to go and try out the other ones. Yeah, no, we're, we are looking forward to this release in, in March. So the next game I have... From you is well, well talk about seven days to die because you mentioned that at the, at the top of the show so yeah, yeah so far what do you think seven days to die is so good it, is it a survival game or? it is a survival game it it feels and looks a lot like rust but there's a lot of uh zombie mechanics at play so essentially the the main point of the game is kind of like uh, you get from the title is to survive there's sort of like a day system in place so you know you go through day and night cycles uh, there is a, a day counter because every certain couple of days uh, you get into what's called a bleeding moon night, I believe that's what, that's what it's called. Essentially, uh, you get a massive zombie horde come at you. And these zombies are getting progressively stronger. You start getting subtypes of zombies. So there's like spitters, there's crawlers, there's sprinters and screamers. And there's just so many types. And essentially, you're just trying to survive. You're, you're gathering resources. You're building bases, you're exploring, and really the whole point is to survive. Um, but I started playing this game because my friend got a, a server that he started on it. And so uh, we just have like a, a group of friends playing all together. So, you know, he invited me over to, to try and play this game out and uh, I got into it so quick. I'm, I'm loving it, you know. Right now I'm still at the stage where I don't know exactly how to do everything, so I'm really exploring around trying to find some cool new loot and, and really trying to get a feel for the map. Um, the map is always the same map, regardless of where you're playing. So you can kind of learn zones. It, it, it's kind of like, a, imagine the Fortnite map. So there's like different biomes, there's like a desert area and like a wasteland area and a forest biome. Uh, and so you're kind of moving around. Most of the stuff is pretty static, um, but essentially like loot regenerates, you get uh, airdrops, uh, with, you know, like really good loot dropping on there. And yeah, you just keep building a base. So right now it feels a lot kind of like Minecraft, where we have a group of like seven people, you know, just building stupid high walls and <laughs> trying to survive these horde nights. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really, really fun. Definitely recommend checking it out, especially if you like those survival style games or the ones where you're just exploring and you know, trying to find that backpack with some cool guns in a house somewhere. I remember hearing a lot about it when it was first coming out, especially around the time, like, I think when Rust had come out, mm -hmm. even Ark was pretty big. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense that this game came out, and yeah, it's great to hear there's still 
up and running and doing really well. Yeah, I mean, so it, it, it is a contemporary with those other games. It, they look and feel fairly similar. Um, right now is a great time to jump into it. They just launched their Alpha 18, I believe. So it is, it is still an early release game. Um, the price shows it, so it's a good time to buy it. But uh, they, they just keep adding to it. I mean, Alpha 18... Is it going to be a Star Citizen situation where, you know, perpetually in uh, early access? Yeah, who knows? But uh, all I can say is where it's at now, it's fun. There's a ton of mechanics at play. So much you can do. Just, you know, building stuff, weapons, traps, tools. You can build a helicopter. I just got a helicopter yesterday, (laughs) and I was having so much fun with it. So if you like those survival-type games with just so much to do in there... That's it's definitely a good one to check out. Well, another early access game that just became version 1.0 was Wilson. Mm-hmm. And this was another game that you were playing and you had a lot of high praise for this game. Yes. Wilson is amazing. I, I've always loved Diablo. Diablo's always been one of those games that it hits all the right spots. You know, I love min-maxing my gear. Um, I love, you know, just fighting massive hordes of enemies. I love being super overpowered, <laughs> and Wolzen really has all of that. Um, they do this really cool thing where you can sort of play online or offline and have separate characters for that. To be honest, I, I kind of just started it. We'll see more how how it, you know that really turns into gameplay, like you know having different characters like that. But um, the best part is that they they do this sort of like Path of Exile style um, skill set where you start your character and all you're picking is your starting weapon type. You don't pick a class. Um, And so really it's all dependent on what weapon you have. And when you start getting your skill points, you start putting them into uh, skills that are relevant for, you know, that that type of weapon. So for example, I started with, uh, with the sword. And so I started putting points into agility just to get, you know, attack speed up. Because uh, I was really enjoying the, the two-handed version of the sword. And all of a sudden, I'm like, well, you know, I can put some points into uh, some of this magic stuff. And, you know, if you switch back to the one-handed sword and put on one of the one-handed magic weapons, well, now you can have both. And, uh, you know, the resources that you use, they, they sort of adapt to that. So you have willpower and you have uh, rage. Rage is kind of like the wild version of rage. Mm-hmm. Um, willpower is kind of like your mana. And both regenerate over time a little bit. You know, rage as you're fighting, doing damage, taking damage, your rage builds. Your willpower sort of matches that. So, you know, as you're using magic attacks, you drain your willpower, but that builds up your rage. As you use your rage, then you're building up willpower again. So it encourages you to, you know, mix and match a little bit and, uh, you know, really use skills constantly. I feel like that's something that's been missing out of games like these. Because, you know, you, you start spamming skills and all of a sudden you're out of mana and then you die, right? But this game, it's like, no, nah, just keep spamming those skills. Stay being overpowered. Like, we'll just throw more enemies at you. Is this is this feeling that Diablo itch? Oh, yes. A hundred percent. Diablo, I mean, I, I can't wait for the next Diablo. I was so excited when they announced Diablo Immortal. I was probably the only one. <laughs> yeah, you might have been. You might have been the only one in this entire planet. Because <laughs> you know what? They said Diablo and then they said mobile and I was like, why not? You know, it, it fits. Yeah, give it a shot. You know, like give it, give a, it shot. a shot. And if it's the same Diablo that we know. The only people who were upset about it were people who were just ready for that Diablo 4 announcement. 
But you know what? I, I'll take a mobile Diablo because I feel like that'd be great. I want to play Diablo in bed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, I think and not on a Switch. <laughs> it, I think having a Diablo game with that mechanic, with those mechanics, with that gameplay, is something that we're all just craving. So I'm glad they yeah. they told us about Diablo Four, but we're like, okay, but just give us Immortal, just give us something, yeah. just give us some Diablo until Diablo Four. Exactly. Well, you got it. It's called Wilson, uh, Lords of Mayhem, I believe. So definitely check it out for all the all the Diablo fans out there. Definitely check out Wilson. It's been getting really, really great reviews, and I think it's not too costly either. Yeah, so. and it, it's got a good story. You know, cutscenes are decent. It's a little cheesy, but uh, you know what? I like cheese. So. Exactly. You know what? All, mo most games are cheesy. Let's be honest. We, I love Uncharted. That's the most cheesiest game out there. So the next thing we're going to be doing is a discussion point on this podcast. This is, we leave this toward the end of the show. And of course, keeping it uh, with the whole next-gen vibe that we have with this podcast, we want to kind of discuss what price point will turn away early adopters. So I just kind of want to first quickly go through a few articles uh, that kind of brought on the discussion point. So this came from Bloomberg. This has been making its rounds everywhere. Um, this is from Takashi Mochizuki from Bloomberg. Sony is struggling with PlayStation 5 price due to costly parts. Uh, Scar's components have pushed a, mark, a manufacturing cost for Sony Corp's next PlayStation to around $450 per unit, forcing a difficult price-setting decision in its battle with Microsoft Corp, according to people with knowledge of the matter. So an, another article from Tweaktown by Derek Strickland. Uh, and this kind of the stage, PlayStation 5 is expected to sell 6 million units at launch. Uh, this is from an analyst prediction. Ace Securities just published a letter to investors outlining PlayStation 5 hardware sales forecast from launch up until March 31st, 2021. The firm expects the PS5 will sell 6 million units in that period, as opposed to the 7.5 million units the PS4 sold during the same, same time. That's a 20% decline. So... First thing I want to just kind of bring it bring it towards Sebi is just in terms of that estimation that we just, we just kind of went over. It's going to be according to this prediction, it's going to sell lower than PS4 during that during that time frame. Do you think this is because of the cost, or do you think this is because people are not ready to move on to the next generation just yet? I think it's going to be due to a little bit of both at that point. I really feel like the this report sort of came out based on the fact that they're seeing that their production cost is going up and so they're they know that once they pass this certain threshold you know people are just not ready to to make the leap you know most people who who buy a console day one is because they know they want to get it right away uh, if there's some good exclusives that definitely helps but uh you know early adopters are people who have been expecting it for years they're they've been wanting it they need it and so they go and get it but uh, for the most people, you know, the people who, who maybe don't follow news as much or they don't really know what games are going to come with it, they just kind of want the next big thing, um, you know, once you pass a certain price point, then then they'll just wait for it, you know? So do you think that 499 USD would be a price point that will get people on board or will get at least a good amount of people on board? I think so. I mean, to be honest, I feel like 450 is really the sweet spot right there. Um, 450 USD is the point where, you know, they would really maximize it. It'll mean that components are still going to be good. They're going to be up there, you know, good specs, but it's still more accessible. People sort of expect that sort of price point. Um, I mean, I know PS3 launched and it was pretty up there. I did not buy it at launch. Exactly. You know, you talk to most people and they're like, well, no, either I didn't have the money or, you know, I knew it was going to go down right away. That's that's what I hear more of. 
it's people saying like, well, why would I? Because you know, you know, it's gonna drop pretty quick. Do you think that that four nine nine price point makes sense mainly because of PS four when it was coming out, it came out at three ninety nine, mm. and to make one PS four unit, it costs only three eighty one dollars. So they put an eighty dollar extra amount on there, sold for three ninety nine. I feel like this since these con this console is supposedly being made at four fifty dollars per unit. I don't see them putting it out for four sixty nine ninety nine. I just I just don't see a lot of companies doing something like that. Mm. But do you think that they will this time around they'll say you know what let's bring it to four fifty we'll keep it at four fifty we'll just break even and we'll try to up our the amount of software that we sell or do you even see them losing money off of each unit saying that you know what if Xbox comes out and says we're gonna put our console out for four ninety nine and we just saw the specs we just discussed the specs both of them are basically comparable. And Sony says, you know what? We're going to put ours for three ninety nine. Do you see Sony doing something like that? Hopefully. <laughs> I would love to see them start a price point war and just trying to undercut the next person. I mean, I feel like that's why we don't have a price point yet is because they're kind of waiting to see what the other one does. They're, they're going to have to announce soon, but uh, I would love to see that because I definitely don't think that they will sell at a loss. I could see them selling and just breaking even and, you know, really pushing one digital software. That's definitely more money for them, right? Or peripherals. I'm sure they're going to come out with a combo. So, for example, if they put, like, just the basic launch, you know, they launch day um, PS5 come out and it's, I don't know, 450, just breaking even. But then they'll put out the one with, you know, two controllers in a game and all of a sudden it's, like, 560 or something. I mean, you know, as long as they have some way of making money... I feel like they could do that. I feel like what we're actually gonna get is probably that like 550, you know, price point. I feel like that's what's gonna happen. They'll just say, well, you know what, you want the PS5, that's what it costs. I know, if they, if they put it out with Horizon Zero Dawn 2, if they say that, by the way, in. Then it's done. <laughs> is that right? And, and they can literally just, all they have to say to us is, by the way, in 2021, Spider Man 2 is coming out, or God of War 2 is coming out, or by the way, Uncharted 5 is coming out too. You know, like, that's all it yes. takes from Sony standpoint. And, I, you know, because I know you're a PlayStation gamer. I know you love Nintendo. I know you love PC gaming. And I want to kind of pose this question. And I thought it would be inter interesting to get your perspective is for Xbox Series X, I kind of brought this up in the first episode that, you know, they are at a, on an uphill battle right now mm -hmm. when competing with Sony on, on the console space. At, you as a PS4 slash Nintendo slash PC gamer, what could Xbox do? What could Xbox come out with at their E3 conference that will make you say, you know what, I might I might pick up a Xbox Series X this year. Oh, that is that is a good question. Um, I think for me, the fact that they have PC Game Pass really made me say, why bother getting an Xbox? Exactly. I, I know you talked about this episode one, and I completely agreed the whole time listening because it's something where like if I can get most of those games on my PC, then I'm not getting an Xbox. That's that's it. it, it that's really what it comes down to. Um, what would do it for me as a non-Xbox player is exclusives. I mean, that's what it comes down to. You know, if you tell me that, you know, the PS5 is launching with God of War 2 or Horizon Zero Dawn 2, then it's game over because I'm getting it. <laughs> exactly. I think that's the problem that Xbox is facing with is they, they can come out with these amazing amazing features. They can say that, hey, we've got this teraflop stuff on this. We've got this new CPU that's supposedly faster than the PS5 one. But at the end of the day, 
It's like, okay, I have this hardware. You built a game PC. I built a game PC. If all I do with this game PC is use Microsoft Word or go, to, go on Google Chrome, what's the point of spending all that much, all that money when you don't have anything that's only meant for that, for that console? And I think that's where Nintendo had it in the bag, which mm -hmm. is why Nintendo Switch, even now, the, the way it's, it's selling right now, and the, the game, the lineup that it has, I feel like Nintendo doesn't get enough credit for this. The games that they've had since launch every single year is just amazing. And Microsoft right now, obviously they have invested, they have bought companies on and got them on board and probably they're giving them a lot of money to make these games with. But they have to come out with these games that, you know, when we watched God of War trailer for the first time and we were like, wow, this cannot be the new God of War. This cannot be true. When we watched Breath of the Wild for the first time and saw what they did, we're yes. like, wow, this is, this is amazing. Or Super Mario Odyssey. You know, or even Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, to be honest, which is like a game I love. Even Smash Brothers, they announced it in April and then launched it the same of, of that year. Yeah. I think Microsoft, other than Halo, because I understand Halo is very well-loved and everything, but, you know, Halo has not been Halo since Halo 3. Yeah. Or even Halo Reach, I should say. You know, it's, Halo has been just a game that, same as Gears of War, that they've just been milking at this point. And it's not the same as, you know, God of War. That's true. Halo, Halo is not currently at the point where it sells consoles. That's, exactly. I think that's something that, that at least for me, is true. Um, I think something that you talked about as well before, if I'm remembering correctly, was like a possible integration with Steam, and that would do it for me. As a PC gamer, my Steam library is so big, and I've probably played through a quarter of it. So that would be a perfect reason for me to get an Xbox, put it in my living room, and play through some of these games that I just haven't gotten to yet. I would love that. I think Microsoft is a company that I could see making a deal like that. But, you know, just talking about stuff like Steam integration, GeForce Now uh, just came out, which is basically NVIDIA's version of xCloud. It's kind of their streaming software. Mm. And you, I think you have to pay $5 per month. Basically, you have a free version where you can stream games for an hour or you pay the $5 per month and that amount basically increases. And this streaming service connects with the games that you own on Steam and Epic Games. So you can technically, on your phone, play any games that you have on your Epic Games and Steam through oh. GeForce Now. So obviously this is streaming. Uh, I've tried xCloud and xCloud is pretty good. I like, I, like, you know, but the thing is, at the end of the day, it's all about the Wi-Fi connection you have. Mm -hmm. But do you see, like, this is all, all it takes is $5 per month with GeForce Now. So would you just pay that $5 per month and get that? Or buy a console where hopefully they will let you download the game so you can get it in the highest fidelity, 4K, Ultra HD, 5.1, 7.2, round sound, whatever. I think that right now, you know, these technologies are, are getting pretty crazy out here. But uh, it, it all depends on how they actually do it. And does it work well? Does it not? I feel like that's something we're literally living through right now with Stadia. You know, the idea on paper is amazing. I love the idea of Stadia. Get Stadia. I don't care that you have to buy your games. I mean, the, the subscription model I'm really interested in. But you know what? Virtual console where you're buying the games as you would anyway, but you can play it on you know any Chrome tab, on on your phone or whatever. That's amazing. You never need a console with you. Exactly. You, consoles are a thing of the past, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of that, but we know that's not how it worked out. You know, I mean, I I, I still trust Google a little bit, so you know, uh, I'll give them more time. We'll see where it ends up. They just need more games on there. They need a I don't know up their servers i know they were having problems with like full 4k and yeah and, you know 60 fps 
I'm not the biggest specs person, you know, like if, if my game is under 60, I'm not going to turn it off, you know, yeah. I, I'm okay with it, but uh, still, you know, they, they need to, you know, say they're going to do something and do it right, I feel like for people to really hop on board, and I really hope that happens, because again, the, the idea of it is interesting, I would love to see it get more mainstream, and get more of these, you know, developers putting their games on Stadia. And uh, I mean, same thing for XCloud. It, it, it seems interesting. Uh, we'll see. We'll see where it ends up. I think I'm not gonna be a first adopter for these kind of new techs. Let people take a test run, get the bugs out. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it, it's something I want to see perfected, and then I'll consider it. So the the two questions that I have uh, for you when it comes to this next gen stuff is, do you think that from now on, the baseline for these games need to be 4K 60 FPS? Is it acceptable that we get a PS5 or if we get a PS5 game and that game is running at 1080p 30 FPS or something like that? Oh man, I don't have a 4K TV, so <laughs> I'm okay with it. Uh, no, I mean, r realistically, if the console was made for it, then you know, you'd expect all games to run at 4K 60 FPS. But like I mentioned, you know, I'm not I'm not the biggest uh, spec snob when it comes to you know my my frame rates. I, I feel like it's okay if it dips, then so be it, you know. And and these games are tested in you know pretty pretty lab controlled conditions. So you know of course there, there's gonna be bugs. There's gonna be little things that come up here and there that are sort of gonna hinder that uh, performance. But uh, as long as the games are fun, that's that's really what I care about. For me, what I realize is it's not necessarily about it being 60 FPS, it's about consistency. Mm -hmm. So if it's at 30 FPS but it doesn't go up and down, I think that's perfect. And at yes. the same time, I feel like it should be up to the the creative director because when I was thinking about it, when I was playing Red Dead Redemption on PS4 and I, I tried it on PC, I feel like for that game, 30 FPS just gives it that cinematic feel, yeah. even though I know it's because of technological limitations. It just actually helps i can't imagine like i i played on ps3 i didn't play it on ps4 like playing last of us at 60 fps just because it gives you that cinematic feel i feel like it should be not that oh this is a baseline it should be more of this is more of an artistic approach yeah for sure you know if, if the creative director feels like it'll do better at 30 fps then so be it um but like you said consistency is key if my game's running at 60 fps and 4k and whatever if it starts dipping during, you know, a crazy scene or, you know, when there's a lot of explosions going on, then that just hurts it. Yeah. It kind of brings you out of the game and it just makes you go like, oh, why, why is this happening, you know? like <laughs> Exactly. It's all about consistency because you want that smooth frame rate, even if it's 30, even if it's 24. If it's just moving up and down, that, I think that, like you said, that just ruins it. Going from 30 to 1 or 2 FPS and you're like, oh my God, this is horrible. Yeah, yeah. So the second question that I had uh, was... What do you think is going to happen when PS5 and Xbox Series X launches in terms of sales? Do you see the first month of sales going PS5's way? Or do you see the Xbox, the way Microsoft is coming out, getting the customers on board, saying that, hey, you don't need to buy Series X. You can have an Xbox One and play all these games. You can have an Xbox One X and you're good. Them taking this approach, do you think that will build them enough goodwill where people are like, you know what, you, you, got, you got it pretty good. You got it pretty cool. I'm going to buy the Xbox Series X because of this. Do you see the PS5 falling behind, or or what? What are your predictions in terms of when they go up uh, head head to head in terms of sales? I mean, if we're talking purely console sales, I don't know. It could go either way. It could go either way. I feel like 
depending on what PS5 launches with, they're probably going to be the ones coming up ahead. Um, I, I think it would be a great mistake for them to launch with no exclusives. Agreed, yeah. Um, you know, PS4, when it launched, they had what, like Killzone? Oh my god. And, and that was that like was the worst, worst launch title. You know title. what? Like, they, they still had some other good games at launch. I believe I got it with Black Flag. I think yeah. I got it with. Um, you know, I still had a lot of fun. But if it had launched with something really crazy... Like Breath of the Wild-like with exactly, Nintendo? Exactly. Like, that is a console-selling game okay, right there. So how about this? We know Xbox is coming out same time as PlayStation, but it's coming out with Halo Infinite. That is, even now, to this day, a pretty mm. big title. Especially yeah. com- launching with the, with a new console. So in that way, do you think PS5 is going to fall behind a little bit? I think they're just you know, seeing what they can get to market the quickest and they're just going to announce some crazy exclusive that's going to pair with it and and I'm just excited to see what's what it is, you so know. Do you have any prediction or like like that one game that you think is very likely and that one game that you hope or you wish would come out with the PS5? So what's the one that you wish would come out with the PS5? God of War 2? The two that I wish are God of War 2 or Horizon. I feel like either of those would just make my year to be honest the god of war was such a great game and it's something it's something that i was expecting but i i just wasn't ready for it yeah (laughs) truly no that's true it was so good horizon was also so great but it was one of those where like you know it kind of took me a little while to really get into it i i try i started playing it like two or three times and kind of just dropped it off because something else came out I believe like on my second attempt God of War came out and so I just stopped playing Horizon but when I got around to actually playing it I just had so much fun the whole time and I feel like you know now that they've seen what they can do and and if they just like make some of these mechanics a little more fleshed out and a little more in depth and, and really give you the opportunity to build a character a little more unique to your playstyle, it's just gonna you know be a 10 out of 10. So what do you think is more likely to come out with the PS5. I feel like they really should be pushing something like God of War level, something really unique or like an uncharted kind of thing, something where where you know it really just carries the console for a good couple of months. Horizon, I would love to, you know, see that at launch, but it's not something that's going to carry them for a couple of months. I can totally see Gran Turismo coming out a new one. They could do that. They could and do that. Maybe, maybe, I've, I, this would be pretty cool too. If Insomnia, because they do have multiple teams, mm-hmm. if one of them all we know is working on Spider-Man, yeah. the other team this entire time might have been working on a new Ratchet & Clank. Yeah. Because the reboot came out on PS4 mm. a while back. And it was good. It was really great. Yeah. And maybe they continue the reboot, they continue that story, and they said that, hey, this is a, a smaller game. It's not 40, 50 hours, but it's a good 12, 10 hour experience. I would be totally down for that. It's not going to be the system seller, but you know, for Sony fans like us, we're like, yeah, that's good enough for us. Yeah. But like, as long as they give you something unique that's exclusive and really pushes you to make the jump, and then you just play whatever else is out there, right? The new Call of Duty. Yeah, but that's the like, I, I think this is the year that Sony will have to come out with something where they battle it out with Halo Infinite. So yeah. they will, there were, there were rumors that they might be releasing a new SOCOM. There's rumors that uh, mm. Guerrilla Games apparently hired a bunch of people to develop a multiplayer multiplayer games in, in quotations. So 
I feel like we we obviously are not expecting it. There's gonna be a game, maybe Resistance multiplayer. I remember that oh, game, man. but you know something like that. And I think it's a good idea for Sony to just try something new because we know Sony as this amazing storytellers. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I don't mind a game like Division Two coming from someone like Sony. Yeah, for sure. I mean, go, going back to your initial question, I feel like Xbox could see you know an increase in in market share of players. Just because of how they're, you know, making things backwards compatible or, you know, just keep your Xbox One and, and you know, play some new games on exactly. it, you know? I feel like they could definitely get some new people coming in, but I feel like, really, it's all dependent on what Sony is trying to do for launch. And it's going to be exciting, mainly because I, I read an article earlier today. I didn't bring it up on this just because I didn't verify it or anything like that, but apparently it was from Games Radar and it was basically saying that I think one of the CFO or someone high up in Sony... Just kind of told them that the PlayStation 5's launch information is is still on on the timeline that they use for the it was a similar timeline that they use for the PS4 launch, mm. and the PS4 launch information came out in Feb. So if he said that, and this was this this was an article that just came today, my prediction is that we will. I mean, hopefully, I'll probably eat my words like I did with my other <laughs> prediction. But my prediction because of this is that I think by the end of this month we will see something with PS5. We won't see a price point. I don't think they're nope. going to release a price. Nope. But they will show us a console, maybe. Yes. They, they'll show the controller, most likely. Yeah. And they will definitely be like, by the way, God of War 2. It'll be like Holiday 2021, stuff like that. But they'll be like teasers. Yeah. God of War 2, yeah. Spider-Man 2, Horizon, GT. Oh, man. And yeah. then we'll, GTA 6, hopefully, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they... It, they're it's a, they're on time to show the console. They'll show the controller. I mean, if if they can't show that yet, then they're in trouble. You know. Yeah. We we know they can do that. They just need to keep dropping little bits and pieces here and there. Price point, like you said, it's not gonna happen at this point. They're they're gonna do that last. Yeah. We're definitely gonna know what games are dropping with the PS Five before we know the price point, because they they gotta keep that card close to their hand and, and you know just really. Battle it out. We'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, you know what? I'm ready for some new information. I think hype is at 100 right now for everyone. Ooh, yes, 110. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super ready to see what games it's dropping with. This is an exciting month and an exciting year. we got new consoles coming out. And, you know, with that, we can close off the show. Thank you so much, Sebi, for joining us today. It was really great having you. Thanks for we having had some, me. Yeah, we had some amazing conversations. I hope that you come back. We'll keep talking. We'll definitely want, we definitely want to know what you think about Wilson. Oh, yes. Next time, I'll, I'll definitely have more to share on, on that front because, uh, you know what, uh, that's going to be a good one. And hopefully Division 2, the the uh, DLC as well, we'll probably oh, check yeah. that out yeah. in March as well. So we'll have amazing games to talk about, especially oh, even yes. Animal Crossing 2. I, I'll, I'll go, I'll, I can keep going on like this. <laughs> but thank you everyone for joining us today. You can follow me on Instagram at Amandaman Games, on Twitter at Amandaman Game, and on Twitch at Amandaman. Would you like anyone to follow you anywhere or anything like that? No, I'm just uh, online. Just online. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be uh, joining together on, on, on Twitch at some point and streaming Division 2. So thank you everyone for joining. And yeah, I'll be streaming Sekiro for the rest of the week. I hope everyone has a wonderful day and see you on the next episode next week. Bye, everyone.